Welcome to the BU Find Your Greatness podcast, a holistic personal development podcast exploring the journey of growth through real life stories. Today we're joined by Innovance, a free thinking music producer from Birmingham, UK. We discuss the impact of morning failed dreams, listening to your body, and how eight years on the vegan diet almost cost him his life. This one was a goodie, but there's still so much to get through. So subscribe to be notified of part two, where we'll discuss his experience with mental health institutions, how he showed his attack of compassion, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get to it. So welcome to the B podcast. We're joined today by, well, am I calling you by your government name or your <laughs> artist name? We're joined by Innovance. Yeah. Um, so he's a music producer from Brum, amongst other things. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning because um, something that's been a common theme lately with people I've been talking to is uh, inner child. Inner child. Inner child. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got beef with their inner child and they're trying to make peace with their inner child and uh, kind of create a safe environment for their inner child. So, like, um, let's rewind and say, so what what things would you say to the, your 18-year-old self that you think will benefit his growth? Oh, um, my 18-year-old self. Um, that's That's hard to say because, like, it'll be... It'll be explaining so much about things that I didn't understand then and things that confused me about kind of other people and what it is they're doing. So I guess like for a long time, when you're growing up, everyone's like, you need to know yourself. And I'm there like, what does that mean? Like, I can't find myself. Like, what what's this thing? Why is everyone so confident about who they are and what they are and what they do and red So like. I've spent a long time trying to find this thing. And then I was like, wait, this thing doesn't exist. I'm just running around in circles. And if I knew that back then, I wouldn't have spent all that time trying to find this stuff because like you're going to end up in one of two places or one of a few places. You either realize these things don't exist or you end up creating it or you end up engaging with a, how would I put it? with like an idea or a conception of who you want to be or who you think you are or who other people have told you to be. And the way you engage with those things ends up being like, well, it determines a lot of, how would I put it? It ends up being like, if you engage with it in a certain way, it can create a lot of mental uh, weight or confusion especially like if it ends up putting you in a negative place with your own self-conception and it leads to kind of places of non-self-acceptance or self-rejection because oh, I am this and I don't like you're not supposed to be that and I don't accept that and like now you're rejecting yourself because of these things which aren't really there these things being these ideas of self so 
Okay, so... Or what you're supposed to know about yourself, or... Because I guess I could... I guess I could put it in another way in that, like, if you if you think about what we're told about kind of like um, how the brain functions and neuroplasticity and like um, the creation of new neural pathways and stuff, like if that's what's all going on, then basically you're always in constant, you're constantly changing. So a lot of these ideas of self end up being static. So like you have this singular conception of this is me and red and anything that deviates from that is just dissociated from and that creates its own issues, but I don't know if that makes it any more easy to understand, but yeah. So now that you're a grown ass man, so to say, uh-huh. do you know yourself then in that case, or is this a, it's just something that's not tangible um, or plausible rather? All right. So I subscribe to like this idea of no self, there is no self. Like basically the self is, we could describe it as a tool of coherence. So if you think about your body, like all the cells in, it's been said that all the cells in your body are replaced every every seven years. So like, where is the self within all that thing? Every cell's replaced. So where is the self? But if the self is just an idea or a construct, then like, well, it can exist across all iterations of your body from childhood to, to your diet. So like, yeah, there is no self. But then I guess another way I'd describe it is like if you want to think of the self, then the self is dynamic because of the same underlying reasons of like you're always constantly changing. Like if you encounter new information, like ideally you should be adjusting to that information and that should lead to further changes. Even if you stubbornly try to hold to beliefs and ideals and retete, like you're always changing you're always in motion. It's, it's dynamic. It's not a singular static thing. So in terms of asking, do I know myself? I'm like, um, how would I put it? I kind of just operate from an awareness of what's happening now and trying to understand what's happened before and not necessarily like trying to move towards an ideal in the future because so much like there's so many things that I thought, ah, oh, it's this way. And then eventually it's like, ah, oh, like I enjoy doing this. And then, ah, oh, no, I don't like doing that. Like I can only operate with, within that awareness of what's happening rather than like just sticking to something because this is me and this is my identity and this is myself. and So as close as I can get to knowing myself is being aware of what's going on as best as I can in the current moment, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so I think with a lot of us, we, um, perhaps like you say, it's this construct that that allows us to can he- coherently understand our existence. Um, well, what we, <laughs> for the audio listeners, he's made a face like, what? <laughs> Um, I don't think it helps you to understand your existence per se. It's just like you, I mean, that's how people try and use it. But again, it's you like chasing ghosts and chasing mm. like these ideals and ideas. It's more just, just allows kind of like, um, 
it allows things to make sense across different states of, um, and just from moment to moment. But so your 18 year old self, like the most important thing he could know is to disregard this quest for finding yourself and figuring yourself out and just go with the flow kind of thing, go with emotion and just, um, just be. Maybe, but like given, like, I hope I would have been able to pick that up. Like if I could explain that to myself, I hope I'd be able to understand it without again, having to go through this trek and process of like, all right, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to do this. I'm just like the, because I guess more than that, it'd be like, yo, like, all these people don't know what they're talking about. Like they're not, they're all chasing ghosts and they're chasing or chasing other people's madness because you've landed on this rock and someone's told you like, this is what it is. And you've got this and you've got that. And this is how the brain works and red And it's like, if you stop and looked at things, you realize like, that's not what's going on. Hmm. So you, when, when, when I brought up the 18 year old self, you did say, hmm. Oh, I, th- I thought it was going for inner child, so. Um, <laughs> but it's still the same answer, because if you've said inner child, I'd be like, that's nonsense as well, man. Mm. Like, I guess, like, basically because of how the brain works, we can create all these things in it. So you can create all these constructs, and you're basically creating all these different selves. So if you, like, these are frameworks and perceptions through which you can view yourself, whatever that means and like through those frameworks then people say like ah this is how you deal with this this is how you deal with that but like you're just conforming to these frameworks beliefs and ideas rather than these are things that are present within you because you run into plenty of people it's like there's no inner child shit to resolve there's no inner child there but again these are just like societally accepted ideas and no one's really saying like, yo, wait, maybe this doesn't make sense because X, Y, Z, but yeah. Other than you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so still sticking to that age bracket. Like when we met, um, you had a nickname. <clears throat> um, Which one? I have many. <laughs> ankle breaker. <laughs> oh yeah. I think it was AB, but yeah. Yeah. Ankle, but AB because of your ankle breaker. So you were the like the balling done, so to say. Um, So I guess was playing basketball a dream of yours when you were younger or? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think playing, I think basketball came like the closest to something that I rooted my identity in. Well, probably that and like my intelligence but um yeah so it was something that I dreamed of doing but that also led to like when I lost it when I got injured and when I kind of when it didn't happen that also had a lot of kind of um how would you call it you know what it was a lot of loss And probably like a bit of, 
like, as close as I came to identity issues as well. Of like, oh, wow, if I'm not doing that, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. So your identity was tied <clears throat> to this sport, this passion of yours. Um, and then you say, was it that you got injured that it didn't happen? Loads of reasons. Like, I didn't know what I needed to do. I didn't, um, I didn't chase it hard enough. I, and again, that goes back to not knowing what I needed to do. Like, um, so yeah, like, I guess that's another thing. Like, I didn't know what it took to get to wherever I wanted to go. And like those things took a long time to realize that, all right, at that point I needed to be doing this and like, I needed to not let anyone stop me. And then even if no one's helping me, I needed to go and find out how can I get to where I'm trying to go to. And I didn't have those realizations or that knowledge at that time. Probably from a younger age, to be fair, because like I started getting chronic injuries at like 15, 16 and that, um, that really affected me to be fair. So, um, I know like there's a few people you'd been playing with, um, when you were younger that made it pro. Mm -hmm. So were they doing anything different to have been able to take that extra step that you weren't able to do? Because I'm guessing the talent wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been like a large disparity in talent. Was it just something they they were doing different? I don't know. Like, I don't know what anyone else was doing for one. Um, I know like I didn't have good, re- nah, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I didn't really have good relationships with coaches and stuff like that. Like, I was very introverted. So I was, like, I was insular, I guess, and I don't know, I don't know how, you know what, that was the thing that just confused me throughout my whole childhood. I didn't know how other people were viewing me or perceiving me. So, like, that made it difficult to navigate things. And, like, my own kind of introvertedness and other things that were going on with me is like I guess it's kind of like the idea of you don't ask you don't get it like I wasn't asking and I don't know so I think so relationships mm-hmm. building relationships um I guess it, it applies to anything in life anything you're pursuing um whether you're starting a business you can't do it without relationships whether you're starting pursuing sports fashion or whatever it might be you need relationships connections yeah um so do you think um do you think it was simply a facet of introversion that you weren't developing these relationships or um because i'm sure other introverts are still able to do that is it just introversion or um again like I don't know, man, because there were, I, I'd, like, these are things that just confused me for years. I don't know why those relationships didn't develop. I do know from my own side, like, I wasn't putting in effort or trying to seek them out or that kind of thing. But on the other side, like, 
Um, I guess, like, I always thought of it where, you know, when you're growing up, people will be like, ah, oh, join a sports team. It helps you develop this skill, that skill, those skills. It gives you, like, camaraderie, brothership. Ret- I never had those things in teams, really. Like, I'd, I'd always be there, like, I'm supposed to be de- developing these things, and I haven't really got any of them from it. And, yeah, I... It's not really so, a question so, I can answer. By sounds of it, you've always had um, experiences that kind of were different to those around you. And so did you feel this pressure to um, experience life? This, we were talking about self a minute ago, but do you mm. feel like because you could see you, you were experiencing life differently, there was pressure to conform in any kind of way and try and find a way to be like other people? Um, I think I used to look at it as like, not pressure to conform, but like what's different? Why Why am I being treated so differently? Like what's wrong with me that people treat me differently? I guess I used to think about it in terms of like my brother, my little brother, um, because like we have like a three-year age gap. And then whenever we'd go somewhere, people would be just like all over my brother and just like, oh, he's so cute. And then I'm just over there like, I'm here too. Like, <laughs> It's only a three-year gap, age gap difference. Like he's four, I'm seven. And like, I don't understand why I'm being treated so differently because we're both kids at it. And we're both at this like little, we're both at that age or at those ages where you treat kids like, mm. oh, look at him. But... For me, it was always different and I could never understand it. So I'm like, well, the problem, because it's happening so consistently, I'm like, well, the only common factor is me. So the problem must be me. So I don't know what's the problem with me. What's, why, what's making me different that everyone reacts so differently to me. So that's something you internalized from a young age then? Yeah. And so I guess, did you think that affected um, how you related with people? Because if, if you're talking that that was from start at the age of seven, then how you related with people through school, through college, through adulthood, do you feel like that was ingrained? Um, yeah, because like whatever whatever it means, like I was a sensitive child, so I was like picking up on things, and even as a kid, I was just like doing different things. Do I ah? They're all doing this. Um not doing that and I was like I don't really want to do that and but so and I guess so I was always seeing the pattern everywhere and I'm just like I don't get it don't understand and yeah uh what was the question do you feel the the fact that when you were young and you were already people already perceiving you as different um do you feel that? Um, That's the thing. I'm not sure if they were perceiving me as different. I was noticing the different behaviours. Mm. So the way they engaged with me as a child versus how they engaged with other children. I'm like, you're treating them differently to me. Like, why? Why? What's happening? Yeah, so then in your adult relationships, you feel like there's always that in the back of your, your head. In my adult relationships? Yeah. Um, as an adult, I'm just like... 
sometimes like when people do things that don't make sense to me, I'm like, doesn't make sense. I, I don't, I don't understand. But at this point, and I guess that's another thing, like I tell a younger me, like it's them, it's not you. Because I spent so many years trying to figure out what's wrong with me until I finally sat there and I was like, wait, hold on. It's just, it's not me, it's them. So, and once I realized that, then I was just like, ah, oh. I spent like uh, years and years, like decades, just trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And it's not me. It is literally other people. And I can't. And again, because you're told people are supposed to behave in a certain way, people are supposed to be things, this is what's normal. That's that's not normal. It's like you can lose yourself in in trying to figure out like what's wrong with you or that kind of thing. And again, when you realize, and I guess that's another thing, like when you realize that everyone's, like normal doesn't really exist. So when when you operate from a framework of normal, like it's very, again, it can be very mentally draining and mentally confusing and mentally, uh, it's just a mental load that's unnecessary until you realize that like, there's, there can't be such a thing as normal because everyone has their own individual perceptions and ideas and beliefs and the way all these things resolve in people, it does it individually. So there's no like common meaning or common connotations or retete. So from that point, there's no way to have a an actual normal because it can't exist. Mm. So... I'm going to scoot back to the basketball thing mm. real quick. So obviously you've talked about it being a solid part of your identity. Do you feel like when I'm, the, actually at what point did you feel like, okay, this dream is done? Like how old were you when you're like, this dream is done? Um, Probably like 16. For real? <laughs> yeah. So. Cause like I said, like I had chronic injuries. I was getting like knee tendonitis, um, Achilles tendonitis. Um, I found out I had one leg longer than the other. I think eventually grew out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just getting so many injuries and for so many years that I didn't feel like it was something viable. Because even if I could find a path, like you can't, like being constantly injured doesn't make it seem pursuable. Or maybe that was just the perception I had at that point. But So... Do you feel like you mourned the dream? Like, I always find, find it interesting when, because there's certain things, mm. what, if you, let's say you dream to be a writer, for example, you could write your first book at 60, right? Or there's no kind of timeline to certain things that you people are passionate about. When it's sport, mm. it's time sensitive because your body, it wears, right? So, yeah. um. <laughs> With a dream like that, like, do you feel like, because I guess in the back of my mind, if you want to write or do music, in the back of your mind, it's always like, one day I can do this. I mean, Susan Boyle was, what, in her 40s when she kind of came on the scene. So in the back of her head, or in, in a lot of people's heads, it's like, one day I can do this, but with ball or sport, it's like, once it's gone, it's gone. So do you feel like you mourned it? Do you feel like it was, like, it died within you? Okay, this, let me think. 
right, so it wasn't just 16. Like, I probably gave up on it, like, multiple times after that. Um, and, hmm, morning. All right, because when you asked me that, I actually thought about um, something else. Like, from from somehow, from a young age, I got... I got it into my head that I was meant to have, like, seen success by 16. I don't know what that means or what I was supposed to have done by age 16, but it's like, I got 16, I was like, I haven't done anything. I was like, oh, like, I had no frame of reference, again, for, like, the amount of time that success can take to make, the amount of time you have to become successful. It's like, as I got older, I eventually saw that, like, oh, a lot of millionaires, they reach that point at like age 40 rather than at a young age. But I guess socially and societally, you see a lot of like really young people achieving things and everyone's like, oh, look at him, it's amazing. But you kind of don't see people who achieve things later on kind of thing. So you, there's bare people who've just like quietly had these successes and you don't hear about them, like nobody knows, but they're quietly doing things and because you're only seeing like the brightest flames it kind of um can give this like i get i know i personally gained a misperception of like what should have been achieved and when so even even if it hadn't been ball like um so like even outside of that i kind of felt a way about not having achieved something by that age and then in regards to ball i think I had, it's a weird relationship because I'd like, I'd lose it and then I'd find it again and then I'd lose it and I'd find it again. And in there, there was some kind of, I guess there would have been mourning or loss or, you know, I think it's more coming to acceptance about certain things and some of those things being my role in mine and in my inability to achieve with regards to ball or whatever, and then like not being able to get there in itself. Um, but I think I had, cause there's a bunch of other stuff. Like I, I never practiced either. Like, I don't know how, what I was planning to, to achieve without really practicing. But again, like I was always getting by on talent and I was always at a sufficient level of talent that, that like, I got away without practicing. And so there's always that like, well, what if I did put in more um, intentional practice and where, where, like how good would I have been? And um, yeah, there was a point where like I went to a basketball camp and it was for um, an academy where like it's basically where they basically like it's like a football academy or something where like it's roots to pro ball and the feedback i got i guess both from the coaches and from my own performance was like you know in different circumstances this would have been achievable um and i guess the other thing i always thought was like if i grew up in america as well like this path would have been just a different thing man but um or, any, or a different European countryman, like trying to 
play ball from England. This is just like, um, but like I had enough kind of things where I was, where I kind of realized like, you know, with different circumstances, like this would have been viable and that was enough for me to be satisfied. And I guess I've had that with different things as well, like with music as well. I've had stuff on the radio and I've had stuff played on TV in Korea and Germany. And I'm kind of like, I I don't think um, like a million players on the radio or anything of that sort would give me a different internal feeling. Like I won't, I won't feel more satisfied with like more, plays it's like numbers which are infinite and like if you relate to them in that way then I guess you can generate um satisfaction from it but just having that experience of like look I was able to do this I was able to get stuff played on like BBC One Extra or whatever it's like all right cool that's enough satisfaction to know for the pursuit I guess um so like from those things like I can die tomorrow could died a month ago and was like I'm not going to have any regrets that I haven't pursued music or achieved in music more than I have currently if that makes sense mm. um and I guess that those kinds of um things kind of helped with acceptance of things that have happened and so having that realization with Ball that like our oh, different circumstances, like this could have gone somewhere else, it kind of I don't know if it was a morning or it was a need to find a, um a resolution or resolve, but that resolved whatever was lingering kind of thing. So since your days uh uh the next Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been Kobe. Man, real quick on Kobe. Um, really? Just, just, no, just because, uh, you know why? Because I was just like, I just pictured you and it's like, Kobe. <laughs> so like. Um, you know what? I lost all my Kobe jersey. Like I had a white Kobe jersey and I don't know what happened to it. And then um, my little brother got my other Kobe jersey. Yeah, but um, you were talking about practice and that is the one thing he did possibly, potentially harder than anyone. Okay, if we're talking about that, like um, I saw, what was it? I think Gilbert, you know, have you heard of Gilbert Arenas? No. Ah, um, anyway, it was a basketball player and he was talking about Mamba mentality. Mm. And he was like, you people don't understand it, man. Because you think that Kobe, like, not passing at the end of the game wasn't, was him not being fair in it. But he's practiced that shot 1,000 to 3,000 times a day. You've practiced it 100 to 300 times a day. So to him, mm. like, you taking the shot isn't fair. Like, you haven't put in the work to take the shot versus what he's put in. So, like, for him, a bad shot from him is better than a good shot from you. And mm. that's what he explained he meant by... Yeah. My mentality, but talking about practice. Yeah. So, going back to that, that, that there's a kind of a curse with talent, mm-hmm. or quote unquote natural talent or natural intelligence. Um, is that the curse is kind of like 
a lot of people feel like they can just cope. Well, not feel like the coast, but it's like when you're getting by at a young age on just talent. Yeah. Um, you think like life is always going to be like this way. Like for me, it was more of an intelligence thing. Like in school, just got by like without even trying. And then you think that, oh yeah, yeah life is always going to be, so, yeah, you don't need to try. It's just, it's just there. <laughs> so do you feel like um, in a way talent is a curse and that it kind of, if you don't have the right mentors or people to really push you, then you you fall into that trap. Um, it's not a curse. The um, it's it's a blessing. Like, <laughs> I've got buying a lot of talent. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's it's always going to come back to perception because it's going to come back to how you perceive it. Because I think there's some people who become, they have the talent and then they have this like obsession with, or this perception or this understanding of working hard. And then like when those two things meet, you get these, you get these like, you can get these people who shine like so brightly and like they perceive it as like, ah, oh, it's hard work. And it's like, you know what? You might not have needed to work that hard because like you had the talent to go along with it. But on the other side, you can also, it's experience as well, because I don't know how certain people get to that point where they have that understanding of like, you know what? my talent is enough I need to work hard because like the experiences I had was always like I'm keeping up I'm doing well like I'm doing shit other people can't do like now I need to throw practice on top of that I was like I'm getting you know (laughs) I get that with playing keys like I can't I struggle to practice playing keys, but then always, I always seem to have improvements like when I'm doing things. And so I guess there's another way of framing it where my practice was always just doing it. So like when I'm making music, like I'll spend hours just like trying to figure things out and playing things and rotate it. And then in a sense that is a kind of practice and I get improvement from that. And then, ah, yeah. And then I always had this other problem of like, when I practice like consistently, I never really saw improvement, but when I stopped and then I came back to something, I was always better. So it's just like, I think that could be a uh, kind of a psychological phenomenon in that, like, cause I've experienced similar things, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, I think your brain is always processing. So sometimes when you take that space back, um, your brain has the space to kind of fill in the gaps that you were trying to fill in. Um, which is like the biggest CEOs, for example, um, what they're good at is stepping away. So hmm. uh, if they're working on a particular project, they'll be, they'll step away for a day or two and then come back with fresh perspective and having had that space to process and then kind of execute based on that. So I think that could just be a facet of that um, perhaps. Well, yeah, so talking about talent as well, though, um, 
I think it could be a, it could be a case made for when you're growing up being on being the second best. Mm. So having talent, but not being as talented as your peers, that might be actually more advantageous. For example, Jordan, um, he, what was his high school? I don't know. I know you probably know his high school story better than I do. Oh, I was like, I've, I, I, but yeah, I he, he, he wasn't the man in high school, but that pushed him to, um, to then get better and improve. I, I don't know if he got rejected by something I, I, or... I think it was but, something like junior varsity or something. Yeah, was, so there was... Like, because by the time he got to college, it was already... Yeah, was, so I think it was like a high school thing or whatever it was. But that, that friction led him to push himself to become the best. Or um, I remember Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo. Um, he was talking about the kids that made it. No, no, no. He was talking about he wasn't the best in his neighborhood at mm. all. Like, there was kids way better than him, but that made him work harder. And so in working harder and trying to get better, he's the one that became Ronaldo, you know? So maybe um, it could be this weird thing where, I don't know, you say it's not a curse, but there's a slight curse. And if you don't have, if you have talent, but you don't have um, people around you or things around you to to cause friction to that you need to push through. Mm. Then I think in that that sense there'll, there'll be that curse. So I think I don't know about where you grew up, but I think I find that a lot where because I'm from the ends. <laughs> um, we find that a lot in that, for example. Man, I always remember this story. It breaks my heart every time I remember it. I had this kid in primary school. Hmm. He, um, man, he was bigger than everyone, stronger than everyone at the age of 11 already. Um, maybe five, five at the age of 11. It's just bigger than everyone, stronger than everyone. Um, and then he was very technically gifted at football. Hmm. And he got scouted for blues at the time. Um, but he didn't go for it. And I think a lot of that was kind of to do with not wanting to look like the grown up in a certain area and not wanting to look like, oh, what are you doing kind of thing? Because okay. this was before, like, I think now any kid would jump on that if opportunity. But it's just, it's just these things when you don't have someone, but if you had someone there to push him, then I think he could have, he could have had a different life right now. Um, but that's the thing. So like, that just reminds me, I played so many sports and it was the same thing in like all the sports. It's just like, it was weird because I think this is another thing about basketball where like, I don't actually understand the game and, um, and it was something I've heard LeBron say where it's like, yo, there's all stars who don't know how to play the game. And that's something that fascinates me that you can reach the highest level of competition and not have uh, an understanding of how to play the sport like properly or like when I watch it and people are talking tactics and I guess, yeah, that would be my example. Like, so when the commentator, like I hate commentators, 
like commentators, I hate commentary because they'll be like, yeah, he wanted to go left instead of right. And I'm like, how do you know? Because like, if that was me, I'd, I'd, I'd just go with whichever way I can see to go. And I'm not mm. going to be planning to like trying to attack a guy because he's weak. And he's, I don't think about those things. It's just pure instinct. Isn't it? But um, what did you say? Because I feel like I've gone really off. We're just talking about um, childhood talent and how not having that fresh okay, yeah. That push because the, um, because when I look at it, like my parents would and this is the thing because this, I guess that's why I kind of see it as um, why it depends on how things resolve and perception and that kind of thing. Because my parents are always like, yo, you need to work really hard. We're not from this country. And I'd just be like, I'm doing it. And it's like, I'm, I, like, I'm doing it without working as hard as you need to tell me. Like they used to take me to, <laughs> to uh, keyboard lessons mm. and I, like I was supposed to be learning how to read music and and practicing in that way. Like I'd hear like my piano tutor would like play the song and like I'd memorize like in my head the melody. Then I'd just play it from ear instead of reading the the music and mm. playing it from sight. And so I'm like as far as I'm concerned, I'm playing it, but I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing given like the tuition I'm receiving. And, but then I'm being told that like, to be able to play this, you need to do da 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 da. And I'm like, I'm playing it. So it's not registering to me that there's actually value in doing this because I'm getting it done. So and that I guess that kind of happened in a lot of different areas where it's like, yo, you need to work and practice. And I'm like, mm. it's being done. But I was, I, I had people pushing me to, to work harder on things. But if my experience doesn't engage, um, doesn't intersect with what you're telling me needs to happen, like it's going to be hard for it to to make sense to me, especially as a child, like mm. you're telling me to practice, I'm really playing it. Like I just needed to hear it and play it. And from there, like everything I'm doing is by ear. And I guess when I got older, like some stuff was a lot harder, like more technical kinds of styles of music and red tear. But even those after enough time, it's just like, ah, oh, I can hear it now and I can do it. It's just like, it's so like some of your chords uh, when you were first playing them, like what, what's going on? And mm-hmm. then eventually once like, I guess that was another thing. Cause like, even when I'm not doing it, I still had like enough technical knowledge to be able to pick things up. So that eventually once I understood what you were doing and I could hear it and I could hear the movements, then it's like, all right, I've got it now. So mm-hmm. I've stopped practicing or I've stopped trying to figure it out because I figured it out and I can apply it. So I don't know. Maybe it's no, I wouldn't call it a curse. It's just, it's just how things end up being engaged with and resolved and perception within the individual, because there's, again, there's some people with all the talent and they think, ah, it's because I worked hard. And it's like, you know what? You probably have got there without working as hard, like without being as maniacal. uh, but I guess it's levels because, um, and it depends on what you what you 
what you want to achieve and what getting there is because um, to be a Kobe, that's that's stepping above the best around you. You can be you can be as good as everyone around you, or you can be better. So I think that that work is gonna give you that extra five to ten percent that those around you will be missing. Yeah, but at the same time, we need to see a Kobe who didn't work as hard, and then mm. see see what that looks I like. I think we've probably seen a couple of them. I'm trying to think of an example. You probably think of better examples than me. But there's been a couple that's the next Kobe that just didn't pan out or the next Jordan that didn't pan yeah, out. Yeah, but that's because they got given a label, like, unnecessary. <laughs> like, that's not a label you should have received. Like, you weren't, you weren't going to be that. But, yeah, I don't know. Because that, that's always how I look at things. Like, it would be very fascinating to be able to, like, have two parallel universes and where you can see, like where the life choices, how, how it ends up from the differing, from the diverging life choices. Mm. And that's where it will make more sense because we ascribe a lot of things to success, but like, there's a lot of luck in there as well. And once you're dealing with luck as well, you you don't know what's going to happen anyway. You create your own luck, though. Yeah, luck plays a part in success, but I think there's that phrase um, where preparation meets opportunity. I think that's where luck is. But anyway, we'll move on from that for now. <laughs> <laughs> With your face all like screwed up. <laughs> yeah, because uh, all like... Yeah. I'm trying to think where to take this conversation next. I guess it was on a, since we were on the topic of sport, mm. let's talk about um topic of diet, which is a crazy one in it, in and of itself. Okay. Uh, I guess in a way that they go hand in hand, athleticism and food. So um I think for a long time you were you weren't eating meat, but you were eating chicken and fish. And then uh, you made some dietary changes. So the start, the beginning of your your dietary journey, I guess. Um, you want the beginning, beginning? Uh, let's say two thousand and nine. I don't, I don't remember years <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Like, I can start at the beginning, like which is um, in my teenage years because I had really bad acne. I guess sometimes it'd be like boils, man. So from a young age, I stopped eating like chocolate and sweet. So that was like my first step. This little 14 year old is like, I don't eat sweets anymore. (laughs) And um, then I guess age 18, um, a friend of mine was like, yeah, I'm lactose intolerant. So I was like, okay, let me give that a go. So I cut out milk. And then what I discovered was that, like, I'd been lactose intolerant my whole life. So, like, all these stomach pains and bubbling and all this stuff that was happening in my belly was just, like, years of lactose intolerant. But I thought that was normal. So it wasn't until I removed it that I realized, like, oh, I could have been pain-free all these years. Mm. Um, And then I guess after that probably came, like, red meat or something. which I heard was like, oh, it's bad for your health, saturated fats, cholesterol, cancer. And I was like, well, 
might as well get ahead of the game and play out. <laughs> um, so something that came out real early was pork. Ah, I've just remembered. I can't eat pork. Pork used to actually make me feel ill. Um, so that went real early. Um, so then, yeah, that that's after cutting out red meat, that's when I was eating um, just like pescatarian, basically chicken, fish. Um, but even that was done so badly because it was just like tuna in cans and all these like poor commercial meats. Um, but like, as I was cutting stuff out, like I'm feeling better. And so, um, I don't remember when that was exactly, but I think by 2012, maybe I decided to go like vegan and just cut out all the, um, all the animal products, um, Actually, another thing within that was like, I used to struggle to eat fats as well. So it was fried foods, like fried eggs, or just like, I just feel like, how would I describe it? Like I'd get tightness in my chest and I was always, always just associated it with fat. And so like when I went vegan, I basically went like low fat vegan and yeah. And then from there, I was just cycling through all the different forms of veganism or vegan style diets, should I say? Um, so, so you said you, when you went vegan, was there a reason you went vegan? I I was always pursuing health. Um, and so, and this is something that kind of, it's something that I did a lot in my childhood. So like, if you have all these people, um, this is why, like, you know, I think we're going to, I'm going to end up referring back to your question of what I'd tell my 18 year old self, because I'd probably tell it to my 10 year old self and he'd have just used that knowledge much better. Um, but like, so when you're growing up, you see all these older people who are like, so like dating people like, yeah, it's fun to date lots of people, but eventually you're going to want to settle down and have family because that's what's really fulfilling. And so in my head, I'm like, why would I not listen to this? This is the destination. Why would I just not head straight there? Like, why do I need to run around all all these ways when I know where I'm going to end up? Because like, it's consistently being said that this is the most self-fulfilling thing you can do in life. Mm. And I had a similar approach with diet. Like if you're saying that like a plant-based diet is the, um, is the healthiest and you know what, as you break down, you're going to end up switching to a plant-based diet and red I'm like, well, I might as well get a jump on it and Mm. head straight there. Why do I like, if I can go straight to the end, why do I need to run through all these, winding paths unnecessarily um so yeah it was always just pursuing better health and um i think i can look back now as well and say like um because like with the basketball thing i mentioned like i had a lot of injuries for years um and had a lot of um how should I put it? I never know how to put it. I think I had like a lot of mental confusion as well. So like I was always trying to 
like either consciously or subconsciously just like push towards a healthier lifestyle and sort out all these issues that even if I wasn't aware of them consciously, um, I'd be trying to resolve them subconsciously. So like when I first went vegan, I was probably just eating loads of, not the best foods basically, which was always weird because like people would be like, oh, you're so healthy. And I'd be looking at what I'm eating like, not really, like this can be better. You know, like a lot of vegans I've seen and I've seen and I've done it as well um, during my brief vegan stint. I think <laughs> um, with veganism, you need to really, really plan out what you're eating. Um, so we, people make the jump and then it's like you just just binging on carbs. And so there's a lot of kind of. I mean, chips are still vegan, right? There's, um, <laughs> I know I've seen a few podcasts with people like, yeah, I'm vegan, but I'm just eating chips. <laughs> like, and even, was it Rizza? No, no, no. It was someone on Rizza's podcast or something. He was saying, mm. yeah, I just eat chips, but it's like, it's not sustainable. Um, because I think you, I think you're trying to look for something substantive. Um, and then you end up eating junk. Yeah. I think I was probably like to begin with, I was, that's the thing I was probably eating like pasta and, um, and rice and potatoes and, but as things like it was, again, looking back, I can see the cycle a lot more clearly and, but within it, I was aware of what was happening, but it's still kind of it still didn't kind of re- lead to a realization that I only had like a year ago. Um, but like I'd switch, I'd, I'd make a switch and things would improve. And then I'd start declining and like whether cognitively or physically or make whatever. Make a switch being? Like, so I'd go vegan and oh, however okay. I was doing it, okay, yeah. it's like, I know I'm not doing the best version of veganism or whatever, of plant-based diet or whatever. And so, but I've had improvements, so I keep going. And then like things would start, like I'd start not feeling well, like cognitively or physically or whatever. And then I'd be like, well, I need to up the level. So I'd like take stuff out. So I took gluten out, for instance, and now I'm eating gluten-free. All my pastas are now like, um, what is it? Legume-based. So I'm eating like lentil pasta or maybe, what was the other one? buckwheat um and so i'd be doing that for a while and then i'd start to decline and be like all right so what can i improve now because like something's not right i need to improve so i'm taking more and more stuff out and so by the time i got to the end of it like there's nothing left to take out like there was nowhere else to go Mm. um and but I wasn't noticing the pattern of like, I'm doing this healthy thing, but for some reason my health keeps getting worse. And um, it wasn't until like the, I guess I'll, I'll just say it wasn't until like I did a 21 day fast and I couldn't recover and I was basically fruitarian. So like this is supposedly like peak veganism. And, um, so I'm like, and when, when I'd see doctors about it, they'd be like, ah, you're not getting enough calories, but I'm like, 
I'm eating like two kilograms of fruit a day. Like I'm getting enough calories. I'm just not recovering. There's no, there wasn't any nutrition. There wasn't like my body wasn't using anything that was in there and it was falling apart. Like by the end of it, I got pretty close to death. But So before we get into that, so fruitarian was kind of your, the last version of veganism you were doing. Yeah. Okay. So we got the beginning where it was kind of like the standard, you removed meat, um, you removed chicken or what, fish or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like a standard vegan, maybe the first step of most vegans. So then what were the different, you said you were removing things, what were the different categories of veganisms you were, you're trying? I can't even remember, man. There's always, there's always something ready to be removed, man. Like, um, so I know gluten was one, like I went gluten free. And when I did that, I felt a lot better. Um, what else did I take out? I can't even remember, man. So was it like, so um, many variations. So for most of your vegan life, were you high carb, low fat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Definitely. whole, more or less the whole time? Not more or less the whole time. There was a point where I where I recognized that I needed more fat. Like, um, like, like I can't carry on without fat. But at that point I started, because I guess that's another thing. So like, because I was low fat for a long time, I didn't eat nuts. And what else was I eating? Didn't touch coconut oil. I didn't touch any kinds of oils. Like I'd fry food with water because okay, that's like, a new one. Huh? that's a new one. <laughs> it can be done. But like, because again, like I was saying, like I'd eat fats and I'd get like tightness in my chest and I'm like, I can't, I can't keep eating this if it's, if I'm getting this reaction. Um, so like plant, plant fats were just, no good. Um, I guess another thing is I, I was removing processed foods as much as I could throughout the, um, I guess even before a little bit. Um, so I was trying to move towards whole foods at some point. Um, I guess there'd be times where I'd, so like when I was trying to move towards more whole foods, then I'd drop like pastas and stuff and I'd be trying to, there's times where I was like eating whole grain rice and then I'd read about like the phytates in the in the in the husk, and then now I'm back to white rice, and it's just like like the nutritional information is just so conflicting and so confusing, and like I was always trying to find something optimal that left me feeling well and was trying to give me as much as I could. And I was always trying to eat vegetables and then I'd be in frozen vegetables. And then it's like, uh, these don't really feel like they've got anything in them. So I'm trying to eat fresh vegetables as much as I could. And then yeah, it's just always stuff like that. And then I'm trying to go organic because again, I'm trying to improve. And then I'm learning about commercial farm practices and how they deplete like the nutrition in the food. And so it's, yeah. Uh, that's as best as I can answer because I don't really remember specifically mm. what I was doing because you know I do a lot of things and once I've shifted I don't yeah. so I think keep track um, with my brief experience at the YouTube world and, and <laughs> veganism in the YouTube world I think that seems to be 
the quest with a lot of uh, vegans is kind of trying to trying to find the once you're on this path, how can I further optimize health? Um, but I think a lot of people, not all of them, but like there's a good deal of people who end up on this path pursuing right. health and right. trying to sort issues mm. out. And like when you, because if you're doing it because for the animals, then like you're fine eating like all this junk, like mm. an like an impossible burger makes sense in that scenario. But if you're doing it, trying to sort out your health and pursue health, like this processed chemically made muck, it just, it doesn't make sense to you. And those lead to certain, to different outcomes and different choices. Like I think the way I did it, I was so, I kind of suspect like if I'd been eating more junk, I might've been healthier if I cheated more, like I might've been healthier, but like, I was so kind of like, all right, this is what I'm doing. Stick to it until like, I decide to do something else. And it's just like, so you were so healthy in quotations that it was bad for you. So is it that you weren't getting, <laughs> um, cause I guess when, when I hear the term fruitarian, mm. I'm like, there's such a wide array of, um, well, within the, the range of my minimal understanding of nutrition, there's a yeah. wide range of um, vitamins, minerals, etc., that we need. Mm. And eating fruit, I mean, is it possible to get everything that you need? All right. So the, I don't know. I think eating fruit here, you can't. Like, I don't think it can be done. Um because everything's imported and then yeah. it's not even ripe when it's picked. Yeah. So like you've, you've got poor farm practices, like the land's depleted. It's like, I'll, I'll see people like debate B12. Mm. And the thing I've not heard one person say is whether there's cobalt, cobalt in the soil and whether the bacteria is there to like make it available to the plants and to like, yeah, to make it available to the plants so that the animals that you're supposedly getting B12 from, like, is present in the grass they're eating, say, if it's a ruminant. So, like, we're debating all these possible ways of getting B12, but no one's like, is there cobalt in the soil? Probably not. Like, we've depleted all the nutrients, and the only nutrients we put back in is um, MPK. And, like, this is the bare minimum to... MPK is what? Um, nitrogen, phosphorus... And potassium, I think. Okay. And this is like the bare minimum to um, to get a plant to grow. But if that's all that's there, there's so many other minerals that are needed for like for the nutrition to be present in the plant. That is like it's just you eating empty, empty food. Like mm. there's nothing there. You might as well be eating chips. <laughs> yeah, and I think. Like at my worst point, I like I got so bad that I could taste there was no nutrition in in whatever I was eating. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, the oh yeah. So to answer what you're saying, like it may be a different scenario. Like if you're in a country where you can pick the fruit ripe from the tree and it's allowed to ripen properly, like there may be um, the nutrition may be available. 
in that scenario. But if you're picking stuff before it's ripe, like if you're picking like there's bare fruits, if you're picking them before it's ripe, it's it's gonna be like functionally toxic. It's like you shouldn't be eating that. Like it's not ready to be eaten yet. Mm. So um I I haven't got to the point where I think it necessarily like there was a point where I was like, nope, can't be done. But I haven't got to the point where I think um but I've kind of walked that back and I'm thinking like, you know what, like in these scenarios, mm. I don't think you can get the nutrition from it. Even with the organic stuff, it's probably like difficult to get the nutrition from it. Like when you're picking stuff so early, when you're having to make decisions and choices for commercial interests rather than health interests, because we're not growing food for health. If we're growing food for health, we'd be doing things differently. We'd be like locally sourced and or growing in your back garden or all that stuff. If you've grown food for the supermarket shelf, like health is like the last thing, even if you're printing health on the marketing, mm. like on the package, it's like, if, well, if we're caring about health, we'd be doing different things. But, um, yeah. So with all this food potentially, well, fruit or veg potentially being depleted of, um, nutrition. Yeah. Um, actually, I remember actually uh, a couple of years ago, I was at some event and they were saying the same thing. They were trying to sell things. Um, what supplements? Uh, something like that. I can't remember. It was like one of those kiosks that's part of a bigger event. Oh, okay, okay. I can't remember, but they were just saying the same thing. I was overheard them chatting to whoever and it was like, yeah, like five a day. Your five a day is now really, it should be seven a day because <laughs> everything is just it's lacking in the, in the nutrition you need. But anyway, so what do you make then of um, kind of having been fruitarian yourself? What do you make of like the YouTubers and people that are really preaching um, fruit is the way and... Um, like, I have a real interest in like the people who say it's sustainable and they're like, yeah, I'm thriving. I'm like, how are you doing it? I want to know because like that didn't work for me. It wasn't either wasn't compatible or something else was like, it didn't work. And then on the other side of that, there's plenty of those YouTubers who like, they get caught sneaking meat in and sneaking fish in. And I'm like, that's just peak because you'll get people like me who like, I'm not, if I'm doing, if I'm eating this way, I'm not, I'm not straying from it. And mm. like, I'm not straying from it until like, I break down and rate But you have these people who were doing it. They've got like hundreds of thousands of followers. Like their, I guess their income is predicated upon preaching fruit is the way. And their health has got, they, they, from what I heard, they they had similar health issues to what I ended up having. Mm. And so they've had to start eating meat and like the sneaking fish and this, that. And then they get caught. And now it's a whole YouTube video where they're in tears and they're breaking down about their health. But it's like, you should have said this from then on it because mm. this is information for people to know and information people might need to know. Because I guess one of the places I'm at is that I think, I guess, um, there's a, 
there's a book I want to buy um, about bio, bio individuality, which I haven't read yet. But even just the concept of that, where like you know what, this way of eating is compatible with certain people, and this other way of eating is com- is compatible with other people, and if they're trying to do something they're not compatible with, they'll run into problems while someone else is like, yo, I'm fine. Yo, mm. this is best shape I've ever been in. Best way. It's like, cool. But we kind of end up kind of championing one way of eating or one set of beliefs that other people just fall apart on. And it's just not compatible with them or their bodies or their genetics or whatever. So... Mm. I think it's important for people to know that, you know, it's, you know what, you need to figure out what's compatible with you and your body and listen to your body rather than what all these people are telling you, because like, that's just data and information and stuff mm. to try. But if your body is like, yo, this ain't working. like. Mm. But I think we lose that ability to listen to our bodies or listen to any part of ourselves uh, as we grow. Um, well, isn't that like part of what your parents do to you? Potentially. <laughs> That's a, a topic for maybe a few minutes later. But um, <laughs> where I was going with it is, um, mm-hmm. oh, I think, is the channel called What I Learned? Oh, yeah, What I've Learned. Yeah, so he's a really cool channel. He does a lot of research. But um, he was doing some research on sodium for maybe a keto video or something like that. Mm. And um, there's this kid in hospital. No, 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 no. There's a ch- start, start, start from the beginning. There's a baby. So from yeah. a very young age, he just kept craving salt. Yeah. Everything he was having, salt, salt, salt. Um, and his parents just gave in and just gave him the salt. Um, then when he, was at th- when he was like three years old, he went into hospital for something. Mm. And because the hospital had such a low sodium diet, he died within seven days. So it turns out he was just listening to his body. His body needed a sodium. It turns out he had this rare condition. I can't remember what it's called or what it's about, but he needed that extra sodium to keep himself alive. Mm. So it, that listening to your body is so important. And But I think as we grow, we have all these belief systems that are layered on top and we kind of confuse what is our body talking and what is just our in in, in a dialogue that's um being conditioned over the past 10, 15, 20 years old depending on how old you are. Um so yeah it's so important to listen to your body and I think uh, I have a friend who's gone vegan as well. Um <laughs> and she started introducing other foods because her body she can feel that her body and it needs it and when she has these other foods it's like yeah actually yeah my body needs it yeah um but i think what i see happening is people fall onto this idea of i need to eat in this particular way but because they're so convinced of this idea like i always say this your brain needs to um maintain equilibrium so once you've convinced yourself of an idea anything any data points that are contrary you're going to ignore because for you to acknowledge them that's going to cause dissonance your brain just doesn't want that um and so yeah people ignore these data points for longer than they should perhaps um the, the 
I think even dissonance or like the avoidance of dissonance is um, is conditioned, um, which is maybe another conversation for another time. Because, like, but just to touch on it quickly, like your brain doesn't know anything, so we we're conditioned into a society of certainty. But like your brain is set up to navigate uncertainty. So we end up with this perception that we don't like uncertainty, but your 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 organ in itself is built for uncertainty. It's not built to be certain. It's built for uncertainty. Um, but that's another thing. Uh, like this is why I, I kind of like have an issue with people talking about intuition. Because a lot of people talk about intuition as though like, yeah, listen to your body, like your body knows. Yeah, listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, it knows, it knows, it knows. But it just ignores normalization. So and conditioning on top of that. So like once your body's normalized to something just off, and once you've you're conditioned you've added conditioning on top of that, your intuition is ruined. Like if if we had if our intuition just functioned, like we wouldn't be eating like this. We'd we'd already know, like, yo, this is gonna cause diabetes. This is gonna cause heart disease. Like you you don't need scientists to tell you that. If we just knew, we'd be doing it. And even with animals, like people often talk about animals just know, but once they start getting fed like other crap, they don't they don't go like nah 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 nah. Like they'll just eat and they'll eat themselves into sickness because. Like now there's there's other options and it's a bit Yeah, there's so many things that override intuition. And like intuition in itself isn't even this objective thing. If because like I'm saying, if it was, like we just know what we need to do. And even then, listening to your body becomes such a difficult thing to do because you're told that this means that. And that means that. So you've been given an interpretation which may or may not apply to what your body is like telling you right now. And so there's all these little points at which like it just falls apart. And yeah, it's just, it just gets confusing. But So I guess to conclude, um, <laughs> veganism may not be for everyone, but I think... I, there's also something you said years ago, which always stuck with me, which mm. is kind of a bit ironic because <laughs> you then went down that path. But um, you'd come to this conclusion that, um, and then the day it doesn't really matter what we're doing. It's just people engage with extremes, and that's when problems arise. Mm. Um, and one of them being <laughs> potentially fruit, fruit, fruit. Fruitarianism is that the word you'd say? Fruitarianism, like yeah. I, I, I really don't remember saying that, man. No, um, my memory, my memory's on on lock. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe your brain had to cut it out just to maintain the equilibrium. Um, nah, because you know what, I, I never particularly viewed what I was doing as extreme, though I've considered it like recently, but. Because to me, like, being overweight is extreme. Like, being unhealthy is extreme. Like, doing something you know is damaging 
is um is extreme like if i'd reached the point where i'm like you know what i need to do something different and i'd continued on doing something that like my body is is like screaming at me that yo this isn't working Mm. then like to me that's extreme like but doing trying to be healthy and trying to live a long life a, a quality like a high quality life is is not extreme like that's what i was pursuing like relative to other people because other people I always like oh you need balance but I don't understand what balance means because what I need is nutrition and I need a balance of nutrition but we have this kind of idea that like well you can achieve balance by just eating all these random foods but we're not understanding how those foods are interacting with each other and with our body like Mm. those interactions can create imbalance so just saying, all right, just eat a bit of this, eat a bit of that, and then it's balanced. And then you throw in sugar and sweets and like, yeah, like you have to be like thinking I'm being cruel because I'm not eating sugar or s- sweets, which will inherent, like inevitably le- lead to worse health is like, I don't understand where the balance is in eating stuff, which is just bad for my body. Like, mm. because you're not saying... Like you're not implying balance as, yeah, you're not implying balance in that sense of like, okay, this is good for you because you think I'm, um, oh, what's the word, man? What's that word when you're not allowing yourself to do something? Uh, discipline, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it's not discipline. <laughs> but that's another thing people think discipline is like unbalanced, like... Mm. Um, I can't remember the word, but like people think I'm not being kind to myself because I'm not allowing myself to eat ice cream and treats. It's like, yo, that stuff makes me ill. Like, Mm. I don't feel good after eating that. Like, so how am I being unkind to myself by doing things which make me feel good? Like, I enjoy eating this way. I don't miss those things. Mm. So where am I missing out? Like, what am I missing out on on things that I'm choosing not to eat? Because Mm. I'm not, I'm not doing it to... I'm not doing it for any other reason than I've made a choice. And this was kind of like what I always used to say to people in that, like, I'm choosing to eat this way for my health. So if I ever reach a point where, like, I think I need to eat meat because that's the healthiest thing to do, then that's the choice I'm going to make. And I always believed that until I had to eat meat again. And I was like, maybe I was talking too much. (laughs) (laughs) But, like... Again, that was the choice I made when I reached that point and I found my health improved after making that choice. So mm. I was like, okay, this was what I said and this is what I did. Like, I lived what I said. So talking about extremes. So you've gone from fruitarian <laughs> to wh- where, are we, where are we now? Um, uh, I guess it would be described as carnival. But, but... So literally the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah just complete opposite. The no plant. I I fell out with plants. I was ready. I was ready to burn them all, man. <laughs> uh, they betrayed me, man. So I was like, I was flying the flag, and then it's just. They find that part. happens a lot. Um, people advocate for vegan, but I think for some reason it seems to be, happen more 
in the people that advocate for veganism for health mm. than it does for people just being vegan for animals because I guess they're more likely to cheat. Probably. Like I think their dietary restrictions are different mm. because like for, again I'm not eating a lot of um and especially because I was trying to do low fat. Like mm. I wasn't eating a lot of oils and these kinds of things and like I wasn't it's just weird. I wasn't doing like big smoothies and that kind of mm. thing. It's just like I'm just trying to eat meals that I'd be able to eat. Mm. But um, and and again, like people who are doing it for health, uh, a lot of them are, are trying to sort out problems. So um, if you don't realize like the consequences of heading down that direction may make the problems worse, you're gonna like go at it until. Mm. Until you break down. So you've got, before we talk about breaking down, mm. at another extreme now, which is, um, you've described as carnival. So what is it you're consuming now then? Um, just meat. <laughs> just just meat. Like other animal products as well? Eggs? Um, or... Try to eat eggs. Though I was having bad reactions to them. Um, I really need to eat fish, but I can't. So badly need to eat fish, but I can't get it fresh enough, or um, or I'll just have to risk the like reactions to it. Um, so, what does fish have that you need? Um, I suspect I'm in need of like the omega threes and vitamin E because they're like anti-inflammatory, <laughs> and I suspect I'm dealing with inflammation at the moment. Mm. Um, but. And even just then, oh, and calcium as well. Like, as I'm doing more research, I'm just like, ah, there's all this stuff that is missing and the things I need to do to kind of make up for the stuff that's missing, I can't, I currently can't do in the condition I'm in or in the state I'm in, should I say. So calcium, where where are you missing calcium? Um, It's just like, it's just minimal amounts of calcium in like an only meat diet. Okay. Um. But I don't know. Like, um, maybe I need to look at Michaela Peterson more. But um, she's made eating steaks work for quite some years. Okay, like the, I think I'm dealing with a different issue. So mm. I'm, I think I'm dealing with like nutritional depletion. Mm. Basically, um, I'm not sure that she would have been necessarily dealing with that even though she would have had her own health issues. I'm I'm not sure that she necessarily would have been dealing with that. So, um, like, I don't, I don't know how it works for other people. I just kind of know the state that I suspect I'm in and the things that I suspect I'll need um, to help out in that state. Because I think it's a similar thing with uh, veganism. Like, by the time I was done, I came to view it as um, I was living on credit almost. So, mm. like, I grew up eating meat and all this other stuff. So I would have had, a, like, nutritional reserves, mm. which would have slowly been um, used up over the years that I was vegan and then completely just depleted when I was doing um, the fasts I was doing. Um like that's the best theory I've got for what happened to me at the, at the time, and 
in if I am dealing with nutritional depletion, then I'm going to need to find sources for all these things. So again, because I was low fat for years, like the things, the omega threes, like I think EPA and DHA, and there's another one which I can't remember the the uh, letters of. Um, like there's nowhere to get those on like a vegan diet, and even just like a normal diet, you'll likely end up low in them because it's um because the ratio either low in them or the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 is off uh stuff like that um but i'd have had years without that stuff like it's not like i was taking cod liver oil or other supplements and then they say that you're supposed to be able to your body's supposed to be able to convert ala into these other forms of omega-3s but ALA is what? Um, I think alpha-linoleic uh, alpha acid. So that's the omega-3s that they're telling you is in like flax seeds and mm. all these other stuff, which they're like, yeah, there's your omega-3s, but you need like the EPA and DHA, um, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but um, so, and where you get that from is going to be like, um, animal-based sources generally unless you treat you're eating algae but even then i'm not sure that's a good source of it but what was the point i was trying to make yeah because i haven't had that for so long like i'm just going to be low in it um mm. and i'm going to need to like eat enough to get levels back up and to help my body sort out the issues that it has at the moment mm. so i guess that's why she's able to do the vegan i'm not vegan the carnivore in such a minimal kind of way where it's just meat, 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 meat. Potentially. Yeah. But like, again, like we're all like, we all have individual nutritional statuses and like we're high in this, low in that mm. and genetics as well potentially comes into it. So again, it's kind of like being individual because there's plenty of people who like they try a carnivore way of eating or a low carb way of eating or a keto way of eating and it sorts out the issues that they're having. And then there's other people who it doesn't work for them or it improves things, but it doesn't resolve things. And again, like I think it's important to talk about those things so that people can kind of explore, like, is it another problem or is it, I'm not doing it correctly or is it retete, but like you, when you're trying to look for these this information, a lot of times you just get drawn into like ideological mm. debates, and it's just yeah, like, you need to eat vegan because of this or yeah. Um, what's his name Seba? No, what Savage or something? Doctors. Oh, Doctor Sebi. Sebi. And <laughs> if that's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Like, like you know what? Like when I was when I was first. When I was close to making the switch, I was talking to people like, yo, I'm having these problems, red right, right, Like, oh, you need all these herbs, these vitamins. I'm not vitamins. You need all these herbs to sort yourself out. And I'm like, I've been vegan for eight years. Like, by the time I was done, I was allergic to plants. And people are telling me like, yo, you need more vegetables. I'm like, are you listening to what I'm saying? Like, I'm literally having reactions to these foods you're saying I need to eat. Like... You're not hearing what I'm saying. You're just mm. hitting me back with your beliefs. And just like, I can't do anything with that, man. Like, mm. I just have to go into the wilderness and try things. <laughs> and I think it's the weird thing because like, 
you have like all these different ide- ideologies of like oh, vegan, like carnivore, low carb, keto, and like instead of everyone looking at it and saying, all right, what are the commonalities that are working across the range, and how can what can we do to help people who like tried all these things and it's not working? Everyone's just waving their flag and fighting their corner, but like even just on a consistent on a consistent level, like one thing that's consistent among all these ways of eating is like the reduction of processed foods and um, like just eliminating processed foods can lead to just better health outcomes. And instead of everyone like, all right, we can agree on this and let's explore things. Everyone's just fighting for no reason. It's just Mm. mad. But yeah. So in terms of your meat diet now, um, Mm -hmm. How often are you eating? I'm like, what would we refer to as OMAD or once a day, one meal a day. And so you just punch everything in and pack everything in into this one meal. Yeah, it's it's not difficult. Well, you know, what? if you've ever seen me eat a meal, like the size of my portions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just one meal a day, I think. I, when I find that, like, th- three meals a day is a con. Mm. Like, if you look into it, I think it was Kellogg's or something. Like, once they started making breakfast cereals, like, breakfast suddenly became the most important meal of the day. And, of course, it's just eating, like, this junk, which they've refined into what is known as food, what they try to call as f- call food, but mm. they have to add all of these vitamins back in to make it um, passable. But it's just poor forms of vitamins anyway. So, but like I looked at, um, I was re- I was looking into a what are they called? An Amazonian tribe called the Piraha, and like basically they ate like once a day. They eat once a day when they're hungry, and then they don't need to eat again. And I was looking, at, and then when you discover that like three meals a day is a recent thing, I was kind of like, okay, so. Like, doesn't need to be three meals a day. And even worse than that, a lot of us are, like, eating three meals a day with snacks. And then they're wondering why, like, we're getting fat or we're getting diabetes or we're getting, we're having poor health outcomes. We're just, like, eating way too much. Mm. Um, But, yeah, in terms of... Is it the quantity or the frequency? It's a whole host of problems. It's like frequency, like frequency doesn't allow your digestive system to like rest at all. Um, The quantity, again, is like you're eating a lot of empty food. So it's um, high calorie, but like low nutrition. And so you're getting like energy bursts and glucose spikes and insulin spikes, but there's no nutrition behind it. So you're still hungry afterwards. And... Um, and then just poor quality food, like food that's not actually food. Like when you, if you read the back of a, a food packet, like it's a chemistry experiment. Like mm. it's just bare chemicals, bare hidden sugar, like, what is it? Like dextrose, malt, like all these different names for sugar. And it's just like on the same packet of food. So it's like that's sugar, that's sugar, that's sugar, that's sugar, that's sugar, that's sugar, and then there's salt and fat, and even that's like a like if you want to make your food taste great, 
salt, sugar, fat, mm. little acid. <laughs> it's coming out great, man. Like, just like it will be hyper. What's the word? Hyper palatable. Like your your tongue's not designed to have like fats and sugars essentially together, and that just tastes great to it. It's just an overload of taste sensation. And then when you look at everything we eat, it's just salt, fat, sugar. Mm. Mad. So OMAD is working for you and you said like tribes used to eat in that in that fashion. Yeah, and like you you'll find people on keto diets where um like they're eating low carb and they're like they're eating to satiation and they're not having to snack. Like mm. I eat my food and I'm done. I don't have to snack again. Like I'm having I, it's working for me, but I got to a point where I started having problems again. And this is, uh, I suspect this is due to the other issues that I still have, which are unresolved. Um, so like I wasn't able to eat the quantity that I needed. So like I needed to eat about a kilogram a day. And a kilo of meat is a lot of meat. I was told this. <laughs> Well, I mean, for the general person, I, I just imagine a slab of meat and a plate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, I, I probably ate bigger portions when I was eating, um, uh, what was it, when I was, like, eating plant-based. Mm. The, But that's, again, that's what, what I needed to get most of the nutritional um, quantities to the right level. So if you look up like the nutritional values in meat, um, so say something's like 7% in a hundred grams, like if I eat a kilogram, then hopefully like in a kilogram, I'm like at 70%. So if something's 25%, then in a kilogram, I'm getting like mm. 250% of the recommended allowance. So it's kind of necessarily necessary to eat a that amount of meat in a day to make it viable um mm. trying to do it on anything less it's not going to work you're going to be hungry you just you're just going to run into problems so looking at the back end of your fruitarianism to kind of where we are now mm. do you think there's been an improvement in your overall health almost definitely like mm. i was um so prior to that i was having i was like highly irritable i was having like um low mood just my mood wasn't good at all but like so much stuff stabilized once I started once I cut out the carbs and I was eating a higher fat diet mm. um and then I found out that I actually do like animal fat and I don't really react to it so I suspect that a lot of what I was reacting to was like vegetable fats or plants or seed oils um and fried oils and uh and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's just so much improvement in all my health. But again, it hasn't resolved things. So I've still got things that need resolving and need figuring out to resolve. But So at the worst point of your fruitarianism, mm. what was kind of the thing that happened for you to change um all right so 
basically I spent so um so like I ended up doing a 21 day water fast like my first fast was like what I think nine or 11 days and then did some little ones in between but like I had poor health at the time and I was like all right boom I've read about fasting I'm like confident enough this is going to help me so I'm just going to do a 21 day fast um but and I felt great by the end of the 21 day fast so I knew that the things I was having problems with could be resolved and I could feel great and I didn't even feel like eating at the time but I was like you know what I need to start eating so I started eating and what happened was like my my health just declined and I developed oral allergy syndrome so it's like um it's like having hay fever reactions to fruit and it's basically like the the proteins in fruit are similar to like the proteins or whatever in hay fever and so like it was making my mouth itchy and my nose was runny and all kinds of things and then like I suspect I was having fructose malabsorption as well so basically if you um, like the body's not really good at dealing with fructose um, especially in high quantities and I was eating fruits where fructose malabsorption shouldn't have been an issue. But because I'm eating like two kilograms of watermelon instead of like a slice here and there, like I was getting really high quantities of fructose and that was giving me problems. And all the fiber wasn't like, was just blocking me up. So I was getting mad constipation. I was like, I was constipated for three months and no one like, I was going to the doctor like I'm, like I need help and the doctor's like oh don't know what to do um so like everything was just declining like my muscles were weak um and um I eventually realized that I was um I had histamine intolerance as well which I suspect I had for a long time I've had for a long time um so um so something I suspect is that the the reaction I'd get to fats was a histamine reaction because like when you ingest fats, histamine is released as your body prepares to um, like digest and sort of deal with the fats and just eating releases histamine. And so everything I was eating was just causing just a hurried reaction and um, it's giving me mad anxiety Um yeah, I was just in a poor state of health. My joints were hurting. It was just, it was just mad. Um, and uh, what happened? So I kind of didn't realize, well, I kind of realized that I needed to change something. Like when I had an egg and my body was like, boom, that's it. <laughs> like whatever you try to do over there, that's not working. You need to go in that direction. And yeah, so... So then, like, I was kind of, like, doing a lot of research, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to have to start eating meat. And I was trying to figure out what to do, and I was like, uh, I, do, I don't have this figured out. So, like, I was like, all right, boom, I'll just eat 12 eggs. And um, so, like, I ate 12 eggs, and I had a really bad reaction. But I didn't realize that I was having a bad reaction as such. 
Um, so again, because like some of them were boiled, some of them were fried in like coconut oil. So I thought oh, it's a reaction to the coconut oil. And so the next day I had 12 more eggs. <laughs> Why so many? Because <laughs> I needed to make a meal. Like mm. I'm lacking in nutrition and this, that and the other. Like So basically it was, this is three months after I'd finished fasting. Mm. And I'd essentially like functionally it was like I'd continued fasting. So like there was no nutrition. I'd lost weight. I was just like, I was in a horrible state of health. And so when I had 12 more, I was like, I had the, um, I think it was just 12 more boiled eggs though. So I still had the, like the chest constriction, but it's so much, it's just magnified. I had heart palpitations. My anxiety went through the roof. I was like, I was close to going into anaphylactic shock. And then I was like, okay, this is all like, I figured out this is all a histamine reaction. and these are all kind of eventually figured out these are all signs of histamine intolerance. Um, and yeah, so that's, yeah. So a lot of the reaction, uh, I guess that's why I kind of like eased up my view on plants eventually, because I realized like a lot of what was, I was reacting to was again, histamine stuff and being a poor state of health rather than, the plant itself necessarily. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So. I feel like you going... asked me something. And I just went into the next place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um, oh, that sound like vegan almost killed me. <laughs> nah, it right did. It, vegan did, uh, like, mm. veganism almost did kill me. And it wasn't until I shifted my diet that I realized how ill I'd been throughout the whole time and how, how much of a decline my health had been in, like cognitively and physically. So like I haven't played basketball in three years and I stopped playing basketball because like in 2017, I was like, I've got a hip injury. It's not healing. All right, let me take a year off to make sure it heals. And then in 2018, I went back to play and I was like, oh, my hip, my hip's still not healed. Like, I don't know what, I'm just going to have to stop for a while. And then obviously I got ill and like, I haven't played since. So, but like that in itself, like a nagging injury, like two, two, three years, not healing. Like, all right, something's wrong here. You need to recognize that something's wrong here. I was trying to tell this to um, like my cousin, uh, like, cause I'm asking him like, how's, how's your diet going? He's like, yo, I feel great. As your injuries, oh, I've still got this injury and that injury. I'm like, it's not adding up. Like, if this is so amazing for your health, our injuries shouldn't be lingering this long. Our mm. bodies are designed to heal themselves. Like, something persisting so long is there's something not going right within the process. And on top of that, like, when I mentioned cognitive stuff as well, like, I had brain fog. Like, my mental like ability or capacity was declining and I hadn't even realized like I, there was a point where I had no access to my memories. There was just literally a black fog and all I had was like maybe a, an emotional like connection to things. So 
like if something sparked an emotional connection, then I could maybe access the memory, but it was through this black fog in my head. And it was just like, eventually I realized, oh, I can't really remember anything. And, but it's okay. I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> but again, it's another indicator of declining health. Um, I think, I suspect, um, I, I mentioned the aphantasia to you before as well. The um, basically seeing images in your head. So mm. like visual visual imagery okay. in the mind. Um, and it's something that I could do before, but I eventually lost the ability to do it. And it's like, oh, I can't see pictures in my head anymore. But hmm, it's cool. I, I'm still, I'm okay. But like, why did I lose that? Why am I not asking these questions? Because, mm. I'm, because I'm just operating from the frame of what I'm doing is healthy. And if I'm not feeling good, then I just need to go harder. And it's just like, it took me a while to realize that like my health had been in decline. And on top of that, I think um, another thing that I never considered was the bioavailability of the nutrition in plants. So one thing like a lot of carnivore proponents will say is that like the nutrition in meat is more bioavailable, more accessible for the body and that like plants have all these like anti-nutrients that kind of hold on to things and kind of they have enzyme inhibitors and all these things that can affect your ability to digest things that both the plants and things eaten with the plants and stuff like that was, was never brought up to me like when when you'd hear people they're just like oh, i need meat oh i don't think that's healthy but like the suggestion that, you know what, you need to investigate the bioavailability of what you're doing. And it's the same with vitamins and supplements. And it's the same with, like, same with meat as well. Like, some people, like, there's stuff in there that's not available to them. Like, you need to make sure... It's all well and good thinking that these nutrients are in the food. But, like, we don't really have any way to check that they are. Like, like some scientists over here is telling you, like, ah, oh, this, that, and the other, isn't it? But I can't check it for myself, so it, like it becomes difficult. But again, like understanding bioavailability and the possibility that like the nutrition I thought I was getting, I probably wasn't. So like uh, vitamin A is a good example. Um, I think in like it's always listed as like plant foods are great sources of vitamin A, but what they're actually sources of is um, beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A. So basically your body has to convert beta carotene into vitamin A. Um, whereas the form in meat is retinol, which the body can just make use of. But apparently there's a lot of people who aren't good at converting beta carotene into vitamin A. And people like that are likely to have poor outcomes with a vegan diet where your body needs to convert this into that, but it's not good at doing it. So you're not going to have enough vitamin A simply because you can't convert it or you have a genetic disorder that makes it difficult to convert it. But yeah, and there's loads of things like that that I guess I wasn't aware of and I'm only learning about now as I'm like shifting and trying to figure out ways to improve my health further. So talking about deficiencies, at some point you had um, a calcium deficiency, which Mm -hmm. was almost catastrophic mm-hmm. probably could have led to your death potentially yeah so um was that a result of your diet or was there other factors at play 
um, that was a result of a, um, like the calcium wasn't actually catastrophic, but it was a result of a vitamin D deficiency, which that would have been catastrophic because basically when they tested my vitamin D, the levels in my blood was undetectable. Um, yeah. So it, um, like it didn't matter because of the vitamin D issue. It didn't matter how much calcium was in my diet. Like my body wasn't like, I refer to my calcium deficiency as dysregulation because it wasn't really a deficiency of calcium. It was my body's inability to regulate calcium due to vitamin D deficiency, which is kind of like exemplary of the way all these like different nutrition nutrients and vitamins and minerals are all like interacting and causing like cascading effects. So because my vitamin D was depleted, it depleted my calcium, which dysregulated my calcium which led to like a whole bunch of other problems and issues which we'll talk about at some point Mm. but um but because the doctors focused on my calcium it took them a long time to deal with my vitamin d but my vitamin d needed sorting for my calcium to sort out and once they sorted out my vitamin d then my calcium sorted out like without supplementation, without anything, just like, um, so they told me, so they, they'd suspected that my diet had led that a poor diet or my vegan diet. This is another reason why it took me so long to like get off veganism because the whole time they're looking at my calcium saying, oh, your vegan diet has led to a calcium deficiency. Now, as soon as they, um, started supplementing vitamin D, then my calcium recovered and it was fine without supplementation like from that point on so when you're telling me that ah oh, the way you're eating is causing this problem and like well it's not the way I'm eating it's because I live in England and there's no sunshine and um and that's the issue when you're trying to convince me that my diet is a problem like it's a bit difficult when you've got it wrong to begin with do you know what I mean but that's a story for another day perhaps yeah um I'm thinking, should I tease it? I'm going to tease it. So, uh, well, I already did. Yeah. <laughs> <Tease> <laughs> he <away>. almost died. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but yeah, we have ran a lot longer than anticipated. Um, so we're going to wrap here and we'll have to do a part two because there's a lot to explore regarding uh, mental health. Um, compassion. And, yeah, well, I was going to say compassion and just... Uh, being attacked <laughs> being uh, being the human you want others to be let's mm. say um, so we have some stories for you coming up um, but on this occasion we'll have to just wrap there I would definitely stay tuned for part two um, where can people find you on the socials um, everything's at in events or forward slash in events so yeah, YouTube, I N-O-V-A-N-C-E. SoundCloud. N-O-V-A-N-C-E. I-W-N-O-V-A-N-C-E, yep. Okay, perfect. Um, Insta, so, Twitter, all of that. As always, uh, follow BU, b-u.co. All the socials are on there. All the latest podcasts are on there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so until the next one. <laughs>
Ah, it's been fun, man. <laughs> 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 <laughs>